weed, ganja, Mary Jane, grass. However you say it, all of these terms encompass one controversial plant, cannabis. But one of its most popular pseudonyms isn't even in English. Today, we're talking marijuana and how xenophobia fueled an anti-drug campaign in the early 20th century. Welcome to the inaugural episode of The Podcast, where we talk everything, well, weed. I'm your host, Maddie Williams. In the first few decades of the 20th century, cannabis indica was a popular pharmaceutical, prescribed by Western doctors for everything from melancholia to migraines, and even as an early anticonvulsant. But cannabis could have been used as a medicine as early as 10,000 years ago in Central Asia. In parts of Africa, cannabis had been used to treat malaria, fever, and dysentery for years. The West was very late to the cannabis party, and conjecture was slowly creeping its way to the mainstream. Immigrants from Mexico would frequently use the drug to unwind after a long and grueling day of labor, helping introduce recreational cannabis use to the American masses. Cannabis provided a cheaper, more accessible alternative to alcohol during the Prohibition era, and it soon became the drug of choice for a lot of working Americans. In the late 1800s, there were said to be almost 500 hashish parlors in New York City alone, making weed really popular among socialites and laborers alike. But in the post-Prohibition years, the national push to ban virtually all recreational drugs was gaining traction— and at the forefront was a man named Harry J. Anslinger. The newly formed Federal Bureau of Narcotics was an agency of the Treasury Department, formed on June 14, 1930. And although their main goal was to curb heroin and opium smuggling into the U.S., the Bureau also set their sights on a different drug, cannabis. Anslinger claimed that more and more Americans were using cannabis recreationally and helped draft one of America's earliest attempts at regulating the sale of marijuana and hemp products. The Marijuana Tax Act of 1937 placed an insanely high tax on the sale of all cannabis and hemp goods. This was in direct contradiction of previous hemp legislation in the United States, which in some cases even mandated that farmers grow hemp. In the early 1700s, hemp was even accepted as legal tender in Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Maryland. While Anslinger and the FBN claimed this was to regulate the sale and use of a so-called dangerous drug, scholars allege that there were ulterior motives. Print was a titan of industry in the early 20th century, and the newspaper kingpins were threatened by the cheap alternative to paper that hemp fiber provided. Hemp farmers greatly opposed the passing of the act, claiming that attempting to curb their industry through excessive taxation was unconstitutional. The American Medical Association also opposed the law, claiming that taxing doctors and pharmacists for prescribing drugs containing cannabis threatened their medical integrity and undermined the possibility for therapeutic experimentation. Despite the growing media attention over the proposed law, many doctors were completely unaware that the bill would affect cannabis at all. To quote Dr. William Creighton Woodward, who was at the time sitting legal counsel for the American Medical Association, marijuana is not the correct term, yet the burden of this bill is placed heavily on the doctors and pharmacists of this country. That brings us to the main focus of today's episode. When did marijuana become a part of the American vernacular? Before now, the term marijuana wasn't widely used in the United States, and using it in this law was completely intentional. The Federal Bureau of Narcotics intentionally avoided use of the word cannabis, 
knowing that many American people would be opposed to regulating it in this way. Marijuana previously wasn't used by many people north of the Mexican border, and even the most educated Americans didn't realize that regulation of this, quote, new drug would eliminate their access to cannabis. The term marijuana was made to sound foreign, dangerous, and even dirty. Tensions were high in the United States as more and more immigrants from Mexico sought work north of the border, but America was still riding high on the wave of xenophobia that began to steadily grow in the years following World War I. The use of the term marijuana exploited the nation's unjustified fear of the Latino community and contributed to the negative stigma around immigrants altogether. Post-Great Depression unemployment also instilled a fear of immigrant labor in the American people, and those at the forefront of the anti-cannabis crusade took full advantage as they pushed out more and more outlandish propaganda. The newfound buzz around the potential harm of marijuana use incited tons of mostly bogus studies allegedly tying marijuana use to violent crime, mostly committed by, quote, racially inferior or lower class peoples. Anslinger himself is quoted as saying that, quote, most marijuana users are, unsavory term for black people, Hispanics, Filipinos, and entertainers. He said that the use of marijuana contributed to their, quote, satanic music and caused white women to seek out relationships with black men. Anslinger was not subtle about the racist intentions behind this crusade, spreading misinformation about people of color and immigrants to the American masses. As this insidious plot began to garner mainstream attention, people's perception of the drug also began to change. So what does marijuana actually mean? If you're like me, you may have thought that this was simply the Spanish word for cannabis, but actually it has no root connection to the word cannabis at all. Marijuana is most probably rooted in the Aztec word malijuan, meaning prisoner. Other possible origins lie in the Spanish term for marjoram or oregano, as it is sometimes called in popular culture. But generally speaking, in most medical or legal contexts, the term cannabis is preferred. The term marijuana, however, has permeated the dialogue so greatly that almost 100 years after the introduction of the Marijuana Tax Act, it's still being used to describe cannabis on a global scale. Groups like the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, the Marijuana Policy Project, and even the Marijuana Party of Canada use the pseudonym instead of the technical language preferred by most professionals. I decided to do some guerrilla polling to see just how pervasive this term was today. Now keep in mind, the people in close proximity to me are all within a relatively similar age range and live in the same geographic area, so take these results with a grain of salt. Of the 30 people I asked, 22 of them, or almost 75%, identified the plant I showed them as marijuana. Five participants simply called it weed, and only one person identified the picture as cannabis. Unfortunately, there's not really any large-scale studies showing the frequency of use for these terms, so this half-baked, pun intended, study might be all that I have for now. But data is data, and most of my participants acted in accordance with my hypothesis. So what does this mean for us today? Are we perpetuating racist stereotypes by calling cannabis marijuana? I think the answer, unfortunately, is yes. The harrowing echo of racist marijuana repeal and prohibition could be seen in Reagan's war on drugs, which disproportionately punished minorities. Even as recently as 2016, Senator Jeff Sessions, who was appointed attorney general by Donald Trump, is quoted as saying, good people don't smoke marijuana. 
The deliberate vilification of the term is juxtaposed drastically with the holistic, quote-unquote, natural narrative that surrounds cannabis. We all know that minorities are far more likely to be incarcerated for cannabis-related crimes than their white counterparts, despite similar rates of use across all racial groups. Additionally, the cannabis industry has shown that minorities are still at a disadvantage when it comes to weed, with 81% of legal cannabis enterprises being white-owned. If you look around and listen to the rhetoric surrounding the legalization narrative, ask yourself why certain words are being utilized. Does the use of marijuana versus cannabis support a specific agenda? Is one being shown more validity? It's important to analyze these issues critically to avoid perpetuating the racist narrative that frequently surrounds cannabis. As we all work to deconstruct our unconscious bias towards the use of illegal drugs, remember the use of marijuana and how you can help deconstruct the harm caused by the war on weed. Thanks for tuning in to the first episode of The Podcast. Till next time. That is Northern Lights Cannabis Indica. No, it's marijuana. <laughs>